This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. This episode is brought to you by Dove. You use all the right skincare products for your face, but your body has been missing out. With new Dove Serum Body Wash, you can give your body the vitamin C glow it's been wanting, the hydration boost it's been craving, and the active skincare ingredients it deserves. It's time for your body care era. New Dove Serum Body Wash. Get Dove or get FOMO. Welcome to the BBC Good Food Podcast with me, Malika Basu. In this episode, I'm speaking to Abby Lee about her favorite dish. Hello, Abby. Hi. <laughs> Welcome. Now, you are a chef and a restaurateur. Tell, tell us a little bit more about you. So I run Mambo. Um, it's a Malaysian so market stall slash restaurant in Peckham in like an open dining concept um, shared with other food vendors um, and we're basically trying to present Malaysian cuisine in a more modern perspective um, but with really traditional um, recipes at the heart. This sounds amazing and it's your first restaurant venture isn't it? Yes. Oh, a baptism of fire much? <laughs> yeah, it's really been thrown into it in the last six months. I bet. Now <laughs> tell us how you got into cooking to start. So I actually grew up in um, in my family like bakeries. So I guess the idea was always ingrained in my head. Um, but when I got to uni and um, definitely was in a, a sort of degree that I did not choose, I just felt quite down a lot of the times. And I think the only way I saw out of it was through baking again, <laughs> realizing that the, the therapy through it was was incredible and that just grew into supper clubs for friends and more I started selling tickets for it and then after uni I couldn't get a work visa here so I went to Cordenbleu to I guess just study French cuisine <laughs> sort of thought that was the natural progression and then from then on, I just kept cooking at Western-style restaurants, all Italian restaurants. And now here you are, you're <laughs> here a restaurant. But you're from Singapore, right? Yes, and Malaysia. Um, both my parents are from Malaysia, um, and they moved to Singapore when I was a kid. And so I grew up there until I was 14. And then I, I left home because I 
had a feeling that London was going to be the more creative place for me because there wasn't much of an art scene in uh, Singapore. Um, and yeah, I left home by myself. <laughs> That's amazing. Gosh, so brave at that age too. Yeah, no, I didn't. Thinking back, I don't know how they let me do it. I know, right? <laughs> Just Gosh. convincing. So you trained in at Cordon Bleu and mm-hmm. then you went and worked at Italian restaurants. Yes. That is so different to kind of your background and your food heritage. How was that for you? Yeah, I just thought um, the impression I had from the cooking world, you know, this was the the route to, to get, you know, discipline over food and train in mission star restaurants, you know, understand their, you know, the way they um, present food and um, the high quality ingredients they get. Um, but because I never really cooked um, my home food before, um, it was just it was just like a opening to just learn about cooking, basically, and the techniques. That's really interesting, and it's sort of getting that skill set would have set you up for, of course, running your own restaurant. Was there someone there? Did someone take you under their wing or sort of inspire you when you were training and working at the Italian restaurants? I think out of all the head chefs I had, which were all pretty scary, um, there was one specific one um, called Danilo. Uh, it was when I was in Puglia at the first restaurant I got to. He he was just so such like a warm, sort of big Italian man that was just so welcoming and so unlike the other head chefs I had before, you know, where the kitchens were quiet and just still and you know it's this it was tense um he just made it so fun and enjoyable and 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 could just tell me about you know the history of italian food and talk me through you know all the vegetables that are arriving each morning just took the time with mm-hmm. me to be like this is this and you know this goes well with this and he, he just had time for me because it was also a very small kitchen rather than a um, you know, a 20 man each section. It was just the three or four of us. Um, so like a small team Small team. Well, really um, it doesn't have to be a specific station that day. Um, just taking it together. I've got to say you are an incredibly brave woman leaving home that early and then going into predominantly male kitchens. It sounds like it's it's worked for you, you know, and you've got obviously Mambo, your baby. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and not being able to speak Italian and they could barely I get we just had to communicate through like hand language. Like the, signage. Like hand gestures. <laughs> hand gestures until I understood you know, the names for the ingredients or the names for the action words you need for cooking and, you know, taking things here and, you know, the how far you should um, cook a sauce or something. And then my Italian just grew, I guess. What's your Italian like now? Mm, still kitchen level. <laughs> kitchen level Italian. Not good at um, expressing It's better than opinions. my Italian. <laughs> <laughs> Food must have been really interesting in your home, like the Singaporean and the Malaysian. And tell, tell us a little bit more about that. What sort of food did you eat growing up? Wow, yes. Um, such a big variation. Uh, definitely a lot of spicy curries. Um, but Assam Laksa definitely was my favourite. It's a lot of like sour flavours. You know, my fat 
half of my family's side are Nonia. So it's a lot of Malay and Thai influences. And my dad's side is like Hokkien um, side, which so there's, that's the region from China, like Fujian. Um, so there's a lot of braised like pork belly dishes. Um, but at the same time, I had a Filipino nanny who... Uh, which I was so close to. And so I ate a lot of Filipino dishes as well. Definitely my favorite one being sinigang, a sour um, stew, usually with pork or fish. You can tell that sour is my (laughs) favorite flavor. Sorry, I've I've lost my train of thought because I'm wiping (laughs) the dribble off my face. This conversation is going to be so, going to make me so hungry. Um, Tell me a little bit about some of the essential ingredients that you were working with and then we want to come back to synagogue in a minute. Mm. Mm. Essential ingredients, yeah, they were, I guess, a lot of tamarind. We love tamarind. I know, tamarind. So good. Just, just pulp, you know, just, you know, besides that you can have it as a juice as well. Um, a lot of laxa leaf, or I guess we call it Vietnamese coriander here. Can you get that here? Can you buy yes, laxa leaf? Okay. at Vietnamese supermarkets. Super. Um, but it's called Vietnamese coriander. Right. A lot of torch ginger flour, which is like a pink bud. This flavor is quite hard to describe. It's basically the flavor for all the Assam laksas and really? um, dishes. And can you get that here? Can you buy it? I have a secret supplier. <laughs> auntie! Is there a Malaysian auntie involved? Uh, yes, a Malaysian auntie. <laughs> Shipping <laughs> fees. Um, the shipment comes Does it? every few months. This sounds incredible, actually. I love it. What else? Chilies, lemongrass. Chilies, lemongrass. Oh, balachan. Our former shrimp paste, um, which is sold in a block rather than the Thai version, which is uh, like more liquid form Ooh. in jars. And is that a different flavor profile as well? The shrimp paste? Uh, well, compared to the Thai mm-hmm, version? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... I guess the Thai version is, has that slightly fresher, you know, shrimp, fermented shrimp flavor, but this rock hard <laughs> block, I mean, it, the smells are definitely very pungent. It sounds... But it's so salty and savory. I bet. Like and my, doing... yeah, my building hates it when I toast it. <laughs> I want to move into your building. No, I've had Can a lot I of complaints. Please? Oh, really? Yeah. Who are these people? Outrageous. So tell us a little bit about your um, favorite dish. It's ikan asam pedas. It's like sour hot um, fish curry from a really beautiful spice paste made from lemongrass, chilies, um, the shrimp paste. Um, it's a much looser form of curry, almost soupy, like, like texture. Um, and the laxa leaf is the signature taste in it. And usually you can you know, pick um, your fish of choice. And what would your fish of choice be? If I was here, mackerel or skate wing Mm-mm. probably replicates it the most to the fish back home. Um, they have this like really meaty texture that 
yeah, takes on. I love the sound of that. The broth, well. It's interesting that it, the broth is quite thin because people mm. often automatically assume curries with the slightly thick gravy, thick. don't they? So yeah, <laughs> that's surprising, isn't it? Yeah, I think when we first served at the restaurant, some of them were sort of like, is this a soup? I'm like... Yeah, I mean, it's a very nourishing, sour, hot soup, I guess. It sounds incredible. And would you serve it, what would you serve it with? Oh, um, definitely plain rice, um, but extra sambal balachan on the mm, side. Yes, so more, more chilli shrimp paste. Um, what about how do you make the the actual paste? Are you a pestle and mortar kind of gal? Mm-hmm. Are you a blender gal? <laughs> yeah, I mean, my auntie would hope I say pestle and mortar. <laughs> but let's hope she's we not listening. We don't have time for that anymore. So my food processor, press blend. Press blend. But you, you just have to chop your lemongrass fine because if not, your blade would just deteriorate in like three blends. Interesting. And does that help extract the flavour as well before you start blending the whole lot, like chopping up the lemongrass? Yeah, I I would try like release the flavour of the lemongrass Mm, basically. mm. And I just quite like pulsing it rather than just letting it blend as I don't really like such a smooth paste. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Sweet tarts dared to combine sweet and tart. But we didn't stop there. We combined soft and bouncy to bring you new sweet tarts, gummies, fruity splits. A uniquely delicious dual-sided gummy with one side that's sweet and one side that's tart, but entirely smooth and squishy. Mmm, a powerfully perfect combo. Sweet tarts. Dare to combine. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So a bit of texture in yeah, there. Yeah, the texture with the like, you know, still a bit bitty. I feel like the, the end product um, is it's very different. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And how does one know? How do you know you're getting good quality lemongrass? Is there a key to buying lemongrass that we should share? I think as long as they still has a very pale, light um, green colour um, and like really plump, heavy ones. The heavy ones. <laughs> we basically need to take you shopping. That's the way to do this, isn't it? Yes, I have a lot of good Vietnamese shops near me. I bet you Hackney. do. I bet you do. So, Ikan Asam Pedas, have I said it right? Yes. Good. How? Tell me a little bit more about, you know, how you used to enjoy this dish at home, you know, what sort of memories it evokes, because so much of food is related to that, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is. I think being away from home for... Um, about nearly 14 years now it's that moment of just like walking home I walking into the door and I know they would be cooking all my favorite dishes and I can smell 
those aromas so clearly. It, it also just signified, you know, family meal, which was always Saturday night um, because parents were so busy during the week. And it was just a whole process of watching my aunt and my nanny make it together. Um, just, I think those memories are really etched in, mm. into my brain. And so when I was making it here for the restaurant, it was it was, it was really strange mm bodily experience I had to experience the last sort of six months uh, all those memories coming through well, it sounds it sounds wonderful and is it particularly a dish that you enjoy at home or would you find it a street food as well like where does one go to eat this apart from your restaurant obviously <laughs> yeah if you're in Singapore Malaysia it's you'll be able to find it pr- very easily um, in street stalls, um, like nasi padang stalls. They are like um, Indonesian rice stalls um, where they have almost like a buffet-like um, display and you just pick your different curries. Or if you're lucky to find the very specific stalls that just sell asam pedas um, and they'll be cooking it in clay pots, it's like a whole nother... It's another level, level of flavor because clay pots, that's yeah. interesting, isn't it? Because you get the flavor from that. Yeah, and they were boiling it for yeah years in, in the same clay pots. Wow. Um, and, and that's when it can be slightly thicker, maybe that texture, maybe it's like not that sort of loose broth texture. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a different experience. Um, but definitely if you're in Malacca in Malaysia, that's the place for it. Okay, this is not only making me hungry, it's also making me really want to go on holiday. Excellent <laughs> job all round. This is a recipe for trouble, isn't it? Um, it must be interesting replicating the food of your home and your country in a restaurant setting, like in mm-hmm. South London, yeah. to a really diverse audience and customer groups. What sort of twists and variations have you had to embrace for that? Yeah, I think it's um besides thinking about the presentation side side of it, you know, making it more visually appealing to maybe a normal English um customer. So it's not just, you know, a soup, you know, with a piece of like boiled or poached fish. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think it's like adding more colour or more vegetables. Um, you know, usually it's only with okra. But, you know, adding more, um, you know, aubergines, so like deep purple colours, um, adding more um, sliced herbs, so more like green to finish over the top. Um, and also the preparation of the fish. I just thought, let's, you know, caramelise on the grill instead. Um or get really nice, like crispy um, fish skin going as well, mm. bubbling on top, but not holding back on the the sour and the spiciness. Really, just because yeah, it was tempting to hold back on the sourness, but the the name of the dish is asam, right? Which and, is sour, <laughs> and people can have that. Like you find that everyone's okay with that kind of flavor punch. I think the first. Week I was a bit nervous, so I, I I did sort of maybe did it seventy percent way, <laughs> but um after the first few weeks I don't know people people were asking for for spicier, so I I I went the full way then. That's amazing so, and great, good for you, right? No, I just felt 
yeah, felt like validated. I'm like, okay. A hundred percent. I'm, I know what I'm going to do now. <laughs> <laughs> and it must taste, now you've talked about all the sourness and the chili, it must taste even better the next day. Yes. <laughs> Tell us about your thoughts on leftovers. <sighs> Always make your curry the day before. <laughs> Never, if you can have the patience, obviously, not to eat it that day, that would be great. I just, um, even at the restaurant, we would just make it the day before, let it sit, and then serve it the next day um so the way you plan your preps for the week is always structured that way um so the flavor is just maximized i love that and it's it just does taste better the next day doesn't it It just has to marinate exactly even the sambals you know just blending it fresh in that moment i taste it i know it's not quite right I'll just put it in the fridge, get back to it later in the day, and then I season it then because I'm like, okay, now this is interesting. Sad. No. That's a really tell us a little bit more about the sambal because it goes with it. How do you make that? What goes in it? Obviously, don't give us your top trade secrets. No. I mean, it's I guess it's it's I mean, it's the most basic form. It it can just be two ingredients: just chili and balachan, the shrimp paste. But you know. You try and add like calamansi lime if you can find. Um, if not, normal lime. What's, cal- What's calamansi <laughs> lime? Stop! That sounded amazing. It's um, the limes we use a lot in like uh, Southeast Asia, like in Philippines, Malaysia, Singapore. It's very, very small, like a cross between an orange and a lime. Mm. So it's, yeah, the flavor profile. Sounds incredible. And can we find it in Vietnamese supermarkets here? Sometimes. Um, If not, you can get the frozen sort of juice or puree of it Mm. on like, you know, an online um, supermarket. Calamansi limes, right, makes notes and rushes to the Vietnamese supermarket. (laughs) Very good. That sounds amazing. I'm going to do a little rapid fire question round now. So we have a list of uh, uh, your favorites that we'd like to know and also Mm. some confessions. So your most well-thumbed cookery book, please. Actually, uh, Mr. Jews in Chinatown. It's a American Chinese uh, cookbook. Is it quite an old cookbook or is it fairly recent? Fairly recent. Right, right. Okay, Mr. Jews. Excellent. What music do you cook to, Abby? Uh, yeah, very, definitely very fast, um, hard techno and trance. So very speedy. Sounds a bit like my playlist, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's good for motivation, though, isn't it? It, it just gets me in the zone. There's yes. no other. Is there a great cheap eats restaurant or a pub or a market that you go to? Uh, locally, probably High Cafe um, in Clapton. Um, like a very tiny Vietnamese um, joint. And yeah, they're, they're doing some very good quality food. It sounds lovely and, and cheap. Affordable. And cheap, <laughs> definitely affordable. But you can tell the quality of ingredients is um, a bit higher than other places. And then something that's always in your fridge. If I were to come and open your fridge, what would I find in it? Yeah, it's very empty except for lots of jars of bought, like Korean style, like preserved vegetables. 
So a lot of kimchi radish, um, kimchi perilla leaves, soy preserved garlic stems. They have all these like packets in mm. Korean supermarkets. It's the best way I can eat when I get home at midnight with rice. Basically, just so. What do you do? You just put the pickles with the rice, and rice, and then probably just fry two eggs. Wow! But I feel it feels quite healthy because everything's so preserved, mm. and you know, still, like fermented. Do you mean yeah, like fermented, fermented foods? Yeah, very fermented. So definitely helps with my gut when you're trying to eat so late at night. Mm-mm. And that's midnight. Did you say that you by the time you get home? Yeah, or one on a weekend. Wow! So gosh. I need. Something quite fresh. That's that's actually a really sensible suggestion. I might have to go and buy some of those. Yeah, the the Korean supermarkets. They've that's got it. they've got all the <laughs> the packaged goods that you could your heart could desire, right? Yeah, for something so quick. Yeah, that sounds amazing. So confession time now. What is your biggest cooking disaster? We won't judge you. Don't worry. Don't. <laughs> um bit of a control freak so uh it's always been quite hard to face failures um but i think recently it's actually have been the the ice cream battle i've been having with my peanut ice cream i've been selling at mambo um i i always been choosing to do it at midnight when i get home um and so i just keep scrambling my custard and then I keep having to start the whole process at 2 a.m. And by then, you're making I'm just cu- stirring. <laughs> you're making ice cream at that time of night. It's not a good idea. Well, it's good to know we're not the only home cooks, you know, <laughs> messing up ice cream. I know, making it at home as well. <laughs> um, food you've never tried. Is there something you haven't eaten and you probably won't touch? Oh, not that I probably, not that I won't touch, um, more about the the regions that I haven't had any experience in. Um, none of like South American foods, like I've never come across, yeah, many you know, Venezuelan foods or from Chile or from Peru and I just never had the opportunity. So it's definitely something I want to explore actually. That sounds on. great. Yeah, definitely. And so what makes you optimistic for the future? What are you looking forward to? What's likely to come? Um, yeah, what fills you with hope? Yeah, I think the just the reception that um, I've had for, you know, our style of Malaysian food. Um, it's just been such a whirlwind. I never expected it to happen, you know, within six months. You know, I thought, you know, probably a slow, you know, two-year burner. Um, to try and reach out to people. Um, and so it, it definitely gave me confidence that what I felt inside that, you know, Southeast Asian food is just going to keep growing and definitely, um, you know, it's Malaysian food's time soon. Um, um, and so I think, yeah, it just gives me a lot more hope that there'll be more space for more Malaysian restaurants to open and other Southeast Asian chefs to um, dis- discover their cuisine and get to um, express their style of um, foods. Um, and so I'm excited to, I think, to look into a bigger 
restaurant space or other, you know, more specific forms of Malaysian food, I would like to explore, you know, smaller concepts for each of those as well. Love that. And what about the regional sort of regional variations and things? Because people are open to that, aren't they? They yes. want to learn more. I know, which, you know, they're now very familiar with, you know, Vietnamese or Thai regional um, cuisine. And so I'm definitely going to be exploring into my um, like northern Nonia side, which is the, the very much Thai influenced um, uh, Malay Chinese cuisine. That's excellent. Well, Abby, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for um, coming on and all our very best. Thank you. <laughs>